Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Rave. And I'm going to start this Friday rave by doing something that I've never done before. Um, Not on a Friday rave and not on any other platform that I've ever had. And that's to give, (coughs) excuse me, a big hats off to a government. A big hats off. The New Zealand government just across the ditch for the way they've responded to the attacks on two mosques in Christchurch last week, last Friday. That um, you've all heard about by now. Now... Before you all get pissed and start pointing out that the you know the the contradictions inherent in the capital state of New Zealand, for lack of a better phrase, that the government is a coalition, that they host arms fairs and a US spy base, blah blah blah. I know, I'm not an idiot, and neither do I assume that anyone listening is. I'm not saying that New Zealand is the the perfect state and it's everything you know, whatever Castro wanted Cuba to be and more. Nonetheless, the way they've responded particularly the way they've responded within the framework of their capitalist state, has left me somewhat impressed in spite of my um, normally cynical sense uh, self. And that's one reason I started off this Arvo show with um, Yusuf Islam's version of the Adhan, the call to prayer. Um, The call to prayer was broadcast this afternoon on New Zealand's national TV and radio, followed by 
two minutes of silence. Um, I'm not going to do the two minutes of silence. Um, as much as any reason, I don't know how to, to give you two minutes of silence without the dead air cutting out our order. Our, our auto cue that starts playing community service announcements and whatever after 30 or so seconds of dead air. But anyway, um, I'm not a fan of any organised religion, but the Kiwi government's decision to play the Adhan and have readings from the Quran in Parliament as an act of solidarity with their Muslim community brought, you know, brought tears to me eye. And let's hope that they can now move beyond the symbolism and start changing some of their attitudes towards extremism. It's been pointed out by many that New Zealand security services have been ignoring white nationalist extremism in favour of monitoring and harassing peace activists. And perhaps in part, the reason this arsehole was able to do what he did was because their security mobs were too busy monitoring and undermining activists who were campaigning against the Waihopi spy base and the Auckland arms fair, just like they're doing here. But at least in New Zealand they made it publicly clear that racism and bigotry will not be tolerated. And while I'm giving them a shout-out now, you know, it's obviously incumbent on them to now change their way of thinking and start implementing some real changes in how they define national security. I admit I'm not holding my breath, but I'm prepared to give them a chance. Maybe I've softened in my old age. But anyway, meanwhile in Australia, we had the likes of Fraser Anning, whose little press release I read last week, straight after the terror attack, or straight after I heard of it. And fuckwits like our Prime Minister, trying to appear like decent human beings, while being careful, very careful, not to do or say anything that will turn his grassroots racist supporters against him. Seriously, I watched him being interviewed by Waleed Ali last night. Well, actually, I watched it this morning. Now... Not that Ali is any sort of radical, but it seemed to me that Morrison was smirkingly playing some sort of game of semantics. The fact is that the terrorist was Australian, and before becoming a terrorist, was fed a diet of Murdoch and Liberal Party hatred all his life. Not excusing him, mind you, just saying the truth, that right-wing fucks like him are by and large pretty stupid people. And yeah, I know we've, you know... Stupidity isn't the sole domain of the right, that we have our own brand of stupidity that buys a different set of mythologies every day on the left. But seriously, you'd have to be a pretty damn serious sort of stupid to believe the kind of bullshit that Morrison, Dutton, Murdoch and all have been sprouting for years, eh? And then to put your thoughts together in a manifesto. For a start, you know, for a fascist to use the term manifesto to describe their diatribe without realising that they're borrowing the term from Marx and Engels, communists, I digress. The point I wanted to make is one that Ali wanted to make, but couldn't last night. That this prick, I mean Morrison, the political prick and his mates, is responsible for the climate of fear that created the terrorist... arsehole. I'm trying not to swear, and no amount of sitting here, like, sitting there like a good old boy, smirkingly playing his games of he said, I said, they said, you said, is ever going to absolve him of the stain on his soul. Yeah, I used the word advisedly, his soul. Because when I see fundy Jesus jumping, happy freaking clappy Christian turds like Morrison, I almost want his religion to be true. Because if it is, he'll rot in hell forever. And that would not that would not be enough. That would be too good for him. 
But it isn't true, folks. So we need to give him hell here on Earth, at every opportunity, he and Dutton and their mates. The problem is that as soon as I say something like that, we give him hell, I shiver in my skin, lest anyone hearing me thinks I'm talking about voting the bastards out and replacing them with the you know, alternative unlettered variety of bastardry. I mean, make their lives hell on earth. Like they, you know, like they've made to countless other poor people their whole careers and probably did even when they were little bully-ass kids in school too. And then, you know, when they run out of life, maybe give me a call and if I'm still alive, we can, um, I don't know, go and piss on their graves together, I guess. Um, I'll be willing. Give me a call. Of stemming the alien flood Our cities are being invaded He said soon the streets will be rivers of blood He said prejudice isn't the issue And it isn't a question of skin Which is surely a matter of plain common sense To stick by your own kith and kin We're breeding a nation of half-castes Diluting the blood of our race His neck turned purple with passion the veins bulged blue in his face. It was all a question of numbers. Too many of them would appear to threaten Great Britain's traditions, though just how and he didn't make clear. The wise ones tut-tutted in chorus, for they quite disapproved of his views. But to be on the safe side, they bolted the doors and carefully tightened the screws. Now the blacks face a maze of restrictions enshrined in the immigrant acts. The rules cut off parents from children And this is called facing the facts But still it's a question of numbers Now the lady takes up the refrain Her voice falls like dust in the desert From her clearly superior brain She says soon they'll be swamping our culture The culture that made Britain great What no more Henley, no lords, no weekend shooting grouse With a duke on his country estate she said a few in their place would be welcome, but we can't have them coming in hordes. And the wise ones are sent in in chorus from the houses of commons and lords. They differed on clauses and quotas on what figure the inflow might reach. But the blacks they agreed were the problem, and this was called freedom of speech. Free speech, said the judge, is my servant. I declare that it wouldn't be right for me to put people in prison just for saying that black isn't white. If you're worried about immigration, you must have the freedom to speak. But don't overuse words like niggers and coons, say not more than three times in one week, because it's all a question of numbers. The words echo out far and wide, and some spread them soft like a smokescreen. They're the ones with something to hide. And some spread them loud like gang warfare To the beat of the devil's own drum In the head of a youth down in Hoxton They fester like weed in a slum If it's all a question of numbers The fewer the better it seems His mind was a swamp of frustration There were rivers of blood in his dreams He yearned for the days of war glory When Englishmen fought the good fight Defending the white cliffs of Dover 
so that Christmas would always be white. Now Britain was second division, when they ought to be ruling the waves. They're taking our jobs and our homeland, he says, those bastards we once sold as slaves. In church, on Sunday as usual, all dressed in their best, they were there. The judge, the gent and the lady soared high on the wings of a hymn and a prayer. Brotherhood was the bishop's servant, all are equal, he said, in God's sight. And to him a black skin doesn't matter at all, as long as the soul is white. So while the judge, the gent and the lady were praying for guidance and light, the Hoxton youth gathered an inch mob, and they armed themselves well for the fight. That evening they went on the rampage, they were flying the Indian Jack, and the cries of the beaten and dying were drowned by the screams of send them all back. The papers were full of the story, there was no doubt at all where they stood. The spell in the army for thugs, said the mail, would do them a power of good. When the lady read of the killings, her face was filled with distress. The trouble with our lower classes, she said, is they've got no bloody menace. I deplore this barbaric behaviour. The gentleman said, I agree. Well, I warned them that this would be coming, but nobody listens to me. Now the judge was severe in his sentence, said your motives might be of the best. But you not only set upon innocent folk, you did it on God's day of rest. Now the gentleman dreams of a peerage, the lady is ruling the land. And the good judge sits snoozing in comfort in his club with his cork in his hand. But the Hoxton youth's bitterly brooding, just a number in his prison cell. They said we should cut down their numbers, he thinks, so why are they giving us hell? Because it's all a question of numbers. The people who matter agree, but how many's too many, I wonder, and that too many might include me. But if it's really a question of numbers, perhaps the solution might be to sweep up the judges, the ladies, the gents, and drop them all into the sea. Because if it's all a question of numbers, it's clear they should all play their part. Let them swim off to some desert island and get off our backs for a start. And get off our backs for a start. Yeah, that was Leon Russellson with a question of numbers. Sorry about the um, um, poor quality of the recording, especially at the start there. I was having trouble getting the the right plugs into the right bits of machinery here in my uh, in the studio at 3CR. Here we are at um, 8.55am. Or streaming live via 3CR Digital at um, on digital radio. Or via all the W's at 3cr.org.au. Yeah, Leon Russellson from his 1981 album, For the Good of the Nation. Just, well, 40 years ago we would have wrote that. 35 years since I would have first heard it. We haven't come far, have we? We haven't come far at all. 
I'm Helen Razor, but that's deeply irrelevant. What is relevant is that you're listening to 3CR on, what's that frequency again, dear? 855, I told you, Helen. 855. And what is relevant is that you're not listening to that other crap. So well done. Anyhow, thanks, Helen. Listening to Leon just then, and, you know, as you're Regular listeners will know I am a big fan of Leon Russellson, so I play a bit of his music from time to time. Um, especially from an album, I guess, entitled For the Good of the Nation, took my thoughts to Mother England and Brexit. But, hang on, before I go over to Brexit, a word of warning on making our politicians' lives hell. Because the last thing I want to see happen is any of you, well, bugger you lot, the last thing I want to see happen is um, 3CR get into any strife over my remarks, so a word of warning. I'm going to tell you the story of a bloke called Ian Grant who lives on the south coast of New South Wales. Now, Ian, 70-year-old bloke, pled guilty to seven counts of using a carriage service to manage, harass or offend. Um, He apparently sent seven emails to Peter Dutton's office over the last couple of years on uh, March the 15th and 16th last year, he actually sent two emails each day to Potato Head's office, calling him Adolf because of his treatment of refugees and offering to rearrange that ugly pumpkin head of his, quote, unquote. On another occasion, he threatened to kick his head in, calling the minister an ugly mongrel and a low-life bastard piece of shit. And I'm quoting here... Uh, from the local paper, the Illawarra Mercury, which I got in front of me. Um, he's, he goes on to say, Come on down to my place and I'll rearrange that ugly pumpkin head of yours, you cowardly little racist. Well, I'm not going to use the word that he used that they've got in the paper here, but let's just, I'll, I'll replace it with the word runt. He said, There'd never been a more disgusted fucking Nazi in Australia. Now, Ian Grant claimed Mr. Dutton had, quote, been trained by three equal foul pieces of shit, Howard and Atrophy Octogenarian Filth, Ruddock and Bully Boy Morrison. You're anti-human, anti-Australian, he continued. Now, the emails, and this is according to the Illawarra Mercury, um, continued in the same vein, later with numerous what they call vile statements, including calling Mr Dutton a fat-headed mongrel runt, and saying he wanted to beat him to death. Um, in another, Grant said Mr Dutton deserved to be shot in his fat head and that he was willing to wring his neck. When confronted by police, Mr Grant said he was a pacifist and was furious at the policies of the coalition government. He said he had no intention, of course, to, to carry, never carry out the threats, but believed Mr Dutton to have behaved as a racist violently and unconsciously. Yeah, Ian Grant, the old bloke who lost his temper at Potato Head, just got fined five large, not for calling Dutton a fat-headed mongrel runt, but doing it via a carriage service. So be careful, kiddies. If you're going to call Morrison a runt, do it in person, to his face. But anyhow, yeah, Brexit. Brexit. Oh, what are we talking about here? Brexit is the name that France's Europe minister, um, Natalie Louiseau, I think you pronounce her surname, has given her cat because, according to her the other day, he's, quote, unsure whether he wants to go out or not when the door is open. She's quoted as saying, he wakes me up meowing like mad because he wants to be let out, 
but as soon as I open the door, he stands in the middle, unsure whether he wants to go out or not. When I put him out, he gives me an evil look and wants to get back in. This comes a day after the Dutch Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, likened Theresa May to the knight from Monty Python's Holy Grail, who gets all their arms and legs hacked off and then wants to call it a draw. And you can understand the jokes. As if the whole Brexit schmozzle wasn't stuffed up enough, the fact that it's being sold by Theresa May, who looks like the Simpsons' Mr Burns has embraced transgender identity, takes it from the ridiculous to the absurd. And it's meant to, because the jokes too, folks, are a smokescreen for what Brexit is really about. And that's racism. The same racism that fed the fucker who sought the people up last week in Christchurch. The stupid people who voted for Brexit are by and large the same ones who buy the rest of the right-wing bullshit. Shit like Leon just saying in that song I played. Now Britain is second division when she ought to be ruling the waves. You know, they're, they're taking our countries, those bastards who once sold us slaves. The crazy thing to watch, though, isn't the stupid pommy nationalists, but the European leaders, who, largely racist turds themselves, but will hand their cultured racist turds. Perhaps racist stools is a better term. Racist motions, I don't know. Better terms for the certain class of purebred puppy dog, you know, puppy fingers that they are. Again, I digress. You've got most of the racist stools of Europe building walls and passing laws to keep refugees out because they believe themselves to be superior. Yet just over the channel, just over the channel, you've got poor white trash wanting to leave you because they think they're better than you. And they're being represented by the decayed grandeur of empire that is Theresa May, who also believes she's better than you, but can't say it because she's embarrassed by the yes voters that she's purportedly representing, but not really, who she treats with contempt as lower class riffraff. Where is Shakespeare when you need him? Or Leon, for that matter. And this Brexit shit is exactly the same bullshit that's being peddled here in relation to China and Muslim communities, to anybody who's not us, or who's not perceived as us by the likes of Dutton and Morrison. You know, obviously, you don't need me to tell you that French au pairs are us. But, you know, there's all the shit that's going down about China, and a little bit about India at the moment, I want to just address. I don't like the idea of selling off the farm, or the ports, or the destruction of our, ma- of our manufacturing base, any more than any, than you do. But I didn't like the idea of it when it was Britain or the US. Now, to see our Labor leaders, and I mean both our small-L Labor union officials and big-L Labor Labor Party leaders, carrying on about the influence of China on jobs and other things, well, frankly, it hurts. And the broader movement is not immune. You know, the little bit of inherent racism rearing its head in the Stop Adani campaign. Not the whole campaign, not even most of it mine. Most of the folks involved are good peeps. But it's there, and we need to be very friggin' careful. You know, it takes me back to the 80s when um, um, the campaign against Harris Dyshower sending wood chips to Japan for paper. It started off in the mid-80s or early 80s as an anti-wood chip campaign and ended up by the end of the 80s as an anti-Japanese campaign. Um... I was at a picket when some people were singing a spoof of Pink Floyd song, you know, The Wall, um, but they were singing, Hey, Jappo, leave our trees alone. 
You know, when I fronted them by putting my hands across their guitar strings, as you can imagine, a bit of an argument ensued, which ended with one of them. Now, who will remain nameless because he's changed his tune since then, but you know who you are if you're listening. If I can use racism to save a tree, I will. Let that sink in for a minute. If I can use racism to save a tree, I will. And I came back, of course, with if I can chop down a tree now it's going to land on a friggin' racist, I will. Um, but I just wanted to point out that that's been happening. I've seen a few things come out about in, about India and Indians with the um, Adani campaign. I've seen a bit thing things about, you know, the inscrutable Chinese um, over the port of Darwin selling and, you know, Chinese investment in Australia and all the rest of it. And be aware, the move to turn us against each other, based on our many differences, isn't confined to the right. The powers that be will use everything they can. They'll use an environmental campaign if they can and they can get away with it. It's part of a broader disease, folks. You can see it in all the walls springing up, being built by the, uh, what do I call them, the cultured stools um, in Europe. You can see it in the right-wing nationalist attacks two weeks ago in Christchurch. You saw it three weeks ago at local level at the Avalon Air Show. Last week, um, it's, you see it all over again. And, and on, you, know, you see it on the side of the road where they're chopping down trees in Ararat. You see it in the streets of Melbourne every single day. Take care, folks. Don't let them divide us, whether it's Christchurch, whether it's Brexit, whatever it is, um, all for one and one for all. Hi, I'm Jeffrey. I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. The Voice of West Papua now has a one-hour show. We have moved from Monday 6.30 to Tuesday 6.30 until 7.30 p.m. Yes, more news and music from West Papua. Yeah, that's all from me. I'll be back next week. Stay strong, folks. I'm going to leave you with um, the good people from the Sewer Show. And, um, yeah, what can I say? I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, um, take it easy. Hi, I'm Jacob from the Friday Rave, and I'm also on 3CR's Committee of Management. Now, the community of passionate people that founded 3CR a long time ago made some tough decisions. For a start, they committed themselves and a growing community of listeners to back their vision of owning our station and in doing so, remaining independent of the government and corporate influence. They did this by fundraising, brick by brick, with working bees, door knocks, on-air drives and all the rest of it. You've all been there. Now, their commitment has kept 3CR on air for over 40 years. That's a long time even in my life. But now we need your commitment to keep this great thing going. Now you can subscribe online at 3cr.org.au 
or phone us at the station on 9419 8377 or even stop me on the bloody street if you see me at some rally or other and ask me for a membership form. You need to become a member of Melbourne Radical Radio and subscribe. Subscribe.